Hey y'all, welcome to Calvary. My name's Caleb and I'm on the tech team and I play fiddle here. Here at Calvary, we want this to be a place where you can come and worship, get to know God and connect with our community. If you're new here, we can't wait to get to know you. Feel free to message us on social media or text the word hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. It's a great first step to join in our church family and it's also about daily personal encounters with God, discipleship, and community. If you want to learn more about our culture here, deepen your relationship with God, and find a small group that can really connect with, we'd encourage you to talk to one of our volunteers or our staff after the service. We want to let you know what's going to be happening over the next hour or so. First, our band is going to lead us in some worship. Mm-hmm. That'll help us understand who God is, express our love and affection towards Him. Afterwards, we're going to take some time to let you all know about some of the things that are going to happen here at Calvary. Then one of our pastors will be sharing an encouraging message from our new sermon series. I'm so glad you're here. Now, I invite you to join in with us as we worship together. You know, it's been said that two things that we're not supposed to talk about when meeting somebody new is religion and politics. I'd probably give a little bit of pushback on the talking about faith thing. That's something that I do often, even with people that, I brand, that I'm, I'm talking to brand new. But I'd probably some, I'd add something to that list. Not just politics, but also how about our personal finance? When was the last time you simply volunteered how much money is in your savings account? How many RSPs you're building up? How well your business is doing? Or maybe how poorly your account actually is doing? You know, not many pe people talk about these things. I haven't talked about them much. Now, these things are important for us to talk about with our spouse if we are married. It's important to, to run these things by a financial planner or an estate planner. But it's not wise just to toss this stuff out or advertise these things to just everybody out there. But if you consider where your finances are currently and the level of financial generosity that you walk in toward other people, how would you rate yourself? And if you're honest, and really only God's going to know whether you're honest or not, on a scale of stingy to outrageously generous, 
where would you mark yourself along here? Someplace here, someplace over here. Does this conversation make you feel a little uncomfortable? Pastor Nathan is right. This kind of stuff is tough to talk about. It just is. But if God brings meaning into our life, and the church is relevant to the real issues that we face, and I, we, I believe that it is, then these are things that we need to talk about. In fact, just to give you some perspective, of all the hundreds, and might I say thousands of issues that the Bible speaks on, finances and our money is number one. It talks more about money than any other issue in life. So do you think God cares about how we spend our money, how we steward our money? Well, we may feel uncomfortable talking about this, but God certainly doesn't. He certainly doesn't. We are nearing the end of a series in the book of Philippians that we've started back in September. It's been a rich experience where the Holy Spirit has been challenging us. He's been correcting us. He's been encouraging us through this word. And last week, Pastor Paul explored what the Apostle Paul is challenging us regarding commitment in our heart. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back, uh, catch it on our YouTube channel. Contentment is far greater than just our financial situation and our financial resources, but it inc certainly includes our finances and the resources that God has entrusted to us. So in our text today, Paul takes a step further. He's exploring not just contentment in our heart, but our willingness to give and be generous to others. How tightly, how tightly do we hold on to our money? You know, let's read our text now and see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us through the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty, Paul writes. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I'm just so grateful that your word is real and you deal with real things. And so God, as we talk about this issue of finance and money and your view of these things, and we explore our own heart as to where we are at, we open up our spirit to you. We tune our ears to you. We, we want to hear we want to hear what's important to you in this area so that we can come in line with your heart. So I pray that your word would come alive for us, that you would teach us now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you have your sermon notes, we'll be following along those. Giving financially and being generous, number one, accepts responsibility to help others. It accepts the responsibility to help others. Verse 14, even so you have done well to share with me in my, in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. Now, if you remember, Paul is writing from prison in Rome and he is imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ and that he would not bow his knee to Caesar as Lord. Caesar was claiming to be a God. Paul was only bowing his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the present difficulty that you read there in the text that Paul is referring to. And the Greek word for share there in verse 14, maybe if you could just put that verse back up, is another form of the word fellowship or to partner together with someone else. Now this word carries a sense of responsibility for the needs of another person. Now, in other parts of Scripture, God makes it clear that we are responsible to the best of our ability to look after the needs of our family, to ensure that our, the financial resources are there for us to look after their, our needs. But our responsibility doesn't just stop with looking after our, the needs of our family. This concept of giving and generosity takes us another step further. Let me just add a quick caveat here. There are times when life goes sideways for us financially and we need the help of other people around us. There's nothing wrong with this. It takes humility to admit that we need help. And I'm not sure what culture you have come from, but here in Canada, it is hard for us. Our pride makes it hard for us to admit when we are in need. You know, there's been seasons where Lorianne and I have really struggled financially. And we made it through by the giving and the generosity of others. And we're very grateful for this. And we've been able to pass it forward to others. And the Apostle Paul himself was in need often. And he says here that it was the Philippian believers and their generosity to him that some of his needs got met. They helped him out immensely. So as I said a moment ago, generosity takes us a step further than just looking out for our own needs. This is how God has set the system up. Each of us allowing ourselves to be helped by someone else when we are in need and helping somebody else out when they are in need. We who follow Jesus Christ are to be known by our generosity and our willingness to bless the people around us. Calvary's Benevolent Fund is designed to do this very thing, to care for the needs of people connected to our church community. We do this in a variety of ways. We give through gas and grocery cards. We sometimes will pay utility bills where we need to, and we do it through the Millwood's Care Closet. This is a ministry of our church. Perhaps some of you are here because you've received help through the Millwood's Care Closet. And we're so glad we can do this. And it's the generosity of our people, of us, 
who enables us to serve in this way. And we love it. This Philippian church is the example for us that we follow. The other churches in Macedonia, churches of Thessalonica and Berea, just to mention a couple, they did not do well in this at first, as Paul writes there in verse 15. It is out of the abundance of of everything that God gives us that we give to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could, uh, he could make you rich. You know, there's a friend of mine who told me this last week when her and her husband go out for supper. Sometimes they just like to take some extra cash with them. And when they're sitting in the restaurant, they're looking around and they're asking the Holy Spirit, who here needs some financial encouragement? And as they're praying and they're watching and they've identified a person or perhaps it's a, it's a table, they will draw the, the, the waiter or waitress over, give them the extra cash and say, please give this anonymously to that table over there. Pay their bill and then give them this extra cash. And she just said, it is so fun to sit there and watch a person be blown away, surprised by somebody being generous to them. They are just so blessed by watching that interaction and how appreciative those people are. Our plenty can supply what others need so that in turn their plenty can supply what we need. And then there's, there can be equality. For those of us who are here today and those of us joining us online who have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, are we willing to thank God for everything he's given to us, everything that he has done for us by being generous to the people around us? Number two giving financially and being generous increases our account in heaven. Verse 17, I say this, I don't say this because I want a gift from you, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, maybe this is a new concept for you, but God knows everything about us. He knows how many hair are on your head. He knows how many hairs we're waving goodbye to for those of us who are losing them. He knows our story. He knows our pain. He knows when we are overcome by loneliness or we feel in over our head by particular challenge. He knows what gets us excited. He knows what we enjoy. But it means he also knows how we spend our money. He sees every transaction that goes through our debit card, every purchase that is charged to our credit card. He sees our financial values, what's important to us, how much we give. He knows whether we are stingy and tight-fisted. He sees our heart, where we selfishly only spend our money on ourselves. But when we give and our 
financially generous to others. It's, it's like a bank account in, in heaven, in the spiritual realm that has our name on it. And every time we give, that bank account increases. He tracks these things. And whether the resources in that heavenly bank account are realized in this life or maybe just the next, I don't think we always know. When we give out of a heart of gratitude for all that God has done for us, there is great reward when we are generous to others. Let me try to explain this from a different angle. Here in the physical realm, in in the world, there are natural laws that govern how the physical world operates. Take the natural law of gravity, the natural law of gravity. It doesn't matter whether you believe gravity exists or not. If you walk off the roof of your house, you're going to fall and probably hurt yourself. Now, gravity can temporarily be suspended. That's how we can fly in airplanes. But eventually, gravity will not be denied its effectiveness. The same is true in the spiritual realm. There is a similar structure of laws that govern how the spiritual realm operates, and they are true whether you and I believe them or not. And the spiritual law of generosity is one of them. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You know, I would love to read for you a fascinating story the story of William Colgate, the guy who eventually created a Colgate toothpaste. I'm not going to read the history to you, but it's a fascinating study of how his business ran on this principle. He proves Proverbs 11 to be true. Giving financially is a tangible help to the ones who receive the gift. And it's an intangible blessing to the ones who give. And even Jesus attested to the reality of this principle. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use it will be measured back to you. Now, I don't think that it's good motivation for us to only give because we're going to receive. That certainly is not why the Philippian believers gave to the Apostle Paul and his needs. Giving only to get, I think that feeds our greed. And it's not a good thing to come from in our selfishness. And that doesn't honor God. But when we are generous and willing to give from our heart, that generosity will return to us in some form. Number three, giving financially and being generous looks after the needs of those who care for us spiritually. Verse 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. Now in the original Greek, this is commercial terminology where there has been an exchange of payment for services rendered. Now this is 
very common in any kind of business. It's what makes the financial world go around. Many of us know this. So does it mean that the Apostle Paul invoiced the Philippians for his spiritual involvement in their life? Well, no. That's That's not how it works. That's not what it's about. But there is this sense that when we have received spiritual nurturing from those who are over us in the Lord, it's important for us to give financially to meet their need. It's the way God has set the system up to work. Not only um, uh, he set it up way back when, when he instituted spiritual leadership over the people through the priests and the Levites in the Old Testament. And it carries forward to the New Testament, even after Jesus' death and resurrection, when the church was established in Acts chapter 2, which is the fourth, the fifth book of the New Testament. God takes this principle of looking after the needs of those who care for us spiritually, he takes this very seriously. What does this look like? Well, let me hit just a couple key teachings that illustrate how important this is to him. Like I said, God instituted this practice back in the Old Testament, and he called this practice tithes and offerings. And the word tithe literally means in Hebrew 10%. And offerings, some might call them alms offerings or free will offerings, these are financial resources that were given on top of the 10%, the tithe. In other words, people were giving were to be giving a tithe of their income, 10% of their income, to the spiritual leadership of the faith, of their faith. And this money was to provide not only for the priests and the Levites and their families, but also for the physical needs of running a temple. And when the people of Israel were failing to walk in this principle, God gets upset. Let's read this. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. He says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, well, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need." That's the spiritual law. Remember that? That's evidence right there. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the spiritual principles of tithing and generosity in this text are rich. And so I would encourage you to spend some time meditating on, prayerfully meditating on these verses later today, especially if it's your day of rest. There was an expectation back then that the tithe was the minimum and offerings were encouraged above and beyond. Now, depending upon how familiar you are and studied you are on this topic in Scripture, some would argue that this practice of tithes and offerings changed. It ceased in the New Testament, especially when the church began after Jesus ascended into heaven. My take on this is a little different. In Matthew 23, 23, we're not going to look at it, but Jesus actually upholds the practice of the tithe. 
You can read that for yourself later today. And although it's true that Paul never taught on the tithe, even though he had opportunity here in Philippians to do it, he doesn't do it, he still upheld outrageous generosity as a common practice in the church. So when I take the whole of Scripture's teaching, I've concluded that a 10% tithe is a bare minimum that I give and that God calls us, God invites us to be generous and willing to share far above the tithe. And this has been a practice of my life since early in my 20s, even before Lorianne and I got married. We have walked in this principle, and God has been true to his word. Even in times where we weren't sure there was enough money in the bank, we knew there was not enough money in the bank to make it to the end of the month. We still gave our tithes to the church that we were attending at the time, believing that our obedience and trust in God, taking him at his word, that he was going to look after us, that he was going to provide for us. And I can say categorically that he has done that every single time. We have lived better, if I'm just straight with you, we've lived better on 80 and 90% of what we make then we have been able to live at 100%. These spiritual principles that Paul is talking about here is God's invitation to test him in this, like he said in Malachi 3. Test him to see if he's going to keep his word. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. The point is this, Paul writes. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Another translation says there, not in a response to pressure that is put on us. For God loves a cheerful giver and God will generously provide all that we need. Then, You will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Giving financially and being generous looks after the needs of of those who care for us spiritually. And consistent with the principles there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, here at Calvary, there will be no coercion, there will be no compulsion. There will be no pressure from from us and the leadership of this church for you to give. We will simply make the needs known, and then we depend upon you and your relationship with God, your willingness to walk in obedience, your willingness to hear him and how much you should give. And no, it's, although it, it's a part of giving and generosity to giving to other organizations. It is by people's tithes and offerings that we operate as a church. Our giving, and I include myself in here because this is a practice of ours, it goes to pay our staff for their time and their energy to shepherd our spiritual life. Our gifts go to keep the lights on and everything we need to operate a facility like this so that we can be a blessing to our community. 
that we can influence people with for the kingdom of God in this community. We can introduce Jesus to them, not only here, but around the world. And this, this principle is true for even smaller expressions of the larger church, whether that's small group or what some call micro churches or house churches. The needs of those leaders who spiritually look after others are to be met by the people in the group. And not just the leader's needs, but often anyone in the group. This is one of the ways that we support each other when financial crisis hits. This is a part of tithing. It's a part of being generous. But let me just point out that God is not greedy and just wanting us to give all of our money away. He is seeking to teach us to hold our money open-handed before him. Because he knows perhaps the principle that you heard about, that the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. He wants to save us from money becoming our God, money controlling us and controlling our heart and us being in bondage to it. So our giving looks after the needs of those who care for us spiritually. And can I just say thank you? Thank you for your generous and your faithful giving to Calvary. You know, I'd like us to listen to Christine share her experience uh, in both receiving and giving. She's attended Calvary here for a number of years now, uh, but she shares a story from before she moved to Edmonton. Let's listen and then we'll move on to number four. My children and I had been uprooted due to addiction and infidelity issues their dad had been struggling with for quite some time. We had decided to move to a new city to start over where we didn't know anyone. And because of his issues, sadly, we had lost our construction business and it had left us with bill collectors knocking at the door, calling us nonstop and no money for expenses. I was able to pick up three part-time jobs working minimum wage, but it barely was enough to even cover the mortgage, electricity, and gas to keep us warm. Uh, I made too much money for food stamps, so we didn't have any money for food, and I really just didn't know what I was going to do, and I didn't want the kids to know what was happening. Uh, in the move, we had brought over a hot tub. It was sitting in the front lawn with a for sale sign for $3,000. Um, as most of you know, this seems quite a large amount of money for a used hot tub, but it was top of the line and was only a year old. So I continued to pray that God would provide. The kids and I had been living off a change jar that we had collected during our time in Lincoln City, Oregon, um, when we had the construction company, and it was beginning to run dry, and we would have to roll our change. So to this day, sadly, my son will not spend change because of it. So then one day, a, man, a gentleman called me and asked about the hot tub. He said he'd been driving by for quite some time and had done the research on the hot tub and realized it was a great deal. I really just couldn't believe it. I met with him the following day and I noticed he had a fish emblem on the bumper of his truck. 
I'm not sure um, that he knew quite what to do because as soon as I saw the fish, I just broke down into tears and explained my situation to him. I cried as I told him that my husband had left and that his decisions to purchase the hot tub would pay for my mortgage for three months and put food on the table for me and my two children. I have always believed in giving, even when I didn't have any money or my husband and I didn't know when we were going to get paid from our business. But I always wrote the check believing that God would provide. God has always been faithful to me, even when I am not faithful. He doesn't promise us riches, but He does promise to provide, and He always has for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to share, Christine. Fourthly, Giving financially and, and generously is a fragrant offering to God. Verse 18, I am well supplied, Paul writes, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Plain and simple, giving financially and being generous is an act of worship. It not only honors God for all that he has done for us in Christ Jesus, but it puts our money where our mouth is actively trusting him with our needs and with our finances. As we tithe, we are actively opening our hands, disciplining ourselves to not be controlled by the money that he has placed within our hands. Instead of it controlling us, we control it, and we use it as a tool to pay for the, our needs and to give to others so that God will be glorified through us. You know, the Holy Spirit calls this a fragrant offering. It's a sacrifice that is like the freshness of a deep breath right after a spring rain. Not necessarily after a snow, and it's been minus 20 in the morning, <laughs> but the fresh rain. I think of the aroma of when supper's on the table and you walk in and you are so hungry. You know, these kinds of offerings, the Holy Spirit is saying, this is not just acceptable. It's pleasing to God. God loves this. It is good. And it isn't for just when we feel like we've got lots extra to give. You know, the Philippian church was facing tremendous amount of persecution and pressure as a, as a colony of Rome. They were facing the same affliction that Paul was facing because he, when he was thrown into, preach, into prison for preaching about Jesus Christ. These Philippian believers, they were not wealthy. They were, they were not rich people, but they still gave even in their challenging situations. Giving, even when we feel there isn't much there to give. Can we be really honest with you? It grows us. It matures us. It helps us. That stretching helps us. And it gives God an opportunity to surprise us by his goodness. Are you willing to trust him? You know, have you ever been the recipient of somebody who paid your bill in the drive-thru, going through Tim Hortons or McDonald's? Yeah? Some of us have, some of us haven't. I have. And I can tell you, that felt so good. 
I was like, God, I don't know who that person is, but thank you. And then I would go ahead and pay it forward to somebody else. Whether they acknowledge God or not, doesn't matter. But when people receive, they experience joy. When I give, I experience joy. And by walking in obedience to giving financially and being generous, we are saying to God, we trust you. I trust you with my finances. And I trust you that you're going to look after me, even if I can't see through this next situation. For any of us who say that we follow Jesus Christ, are you ready to put your money where your mouth is? Are you ready to surrender your finances to God? There is tremendous blessing when we do. Lastly, giving financially and being generous ensures that God will meet our needs. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I want us to notice, this is really important, that this promise comes after Paul's teaching on giving and generosity. That word there at the beginning, and, is really important. Because it's like Paul is saying, it's only when we trust God with our finances in this way, then we can be confident that he will look after our needs. If we're, if we're a tightwad, we're so fearful of losing the little bit of money that we've got that we selfishly hoard for ourselves and the resources that, he is, that he's given us, those can be gone in a day. They can be gone in an instant. And Scripture gives us little hope if that's all we do is cling to this. Gives us little hope that God will provide for us. God will protect us in our finances. But when we walk open-handed, we say, God, this is yours. All that I have is yours. How do you want me to use this? We never need to fear that God will look after us or that God won't look after us in our needs. God is, God is not short of financial resources. I don't know if you know that, that old hymn. The old hymn growing up, it's actually based on one of the Psalms. It goes, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every land. How many of us remember that? Okay, everybody way older than I am. All right. <laughs> Guess that just dated myself. A life that chooses to follow Jesus Christ means that we will submit everything of who we are. The relationships that are important to us, how we make decisions, the values, how we treat other people, the things that we say, but it also includes how we're going to spend our money and how, we, how much we surrender our money to him. This is part of our discipleship. Will you trust God with your finances? Or will you cling so tightly to what you have, whether that is a lot or whether that's just a little? As if it's the only thing that will give you meaning. It's the only thing that will give you significance and security in a world that is just so full of uncertainty and insecurity. 
Can I tell you that there is nothing more certain, there is nothing more sure in this life than Almighty God and the promises that he gives us in his word. There is no job, there is no RRSP, there is no relationship, no property, no business venture, no ambition that is more secure, that, is, that we can be more confident in than when God says, you do this, I will meet every single one of your needs out of my glorious riches that you know nothing about in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Give and be generous. Trust me in these things. I like how Paul wrote it to the believers in the city of Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and he will increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. I invite all of us, myself included, because this is tough for me too. I invite us to trust God with our finances and become the generous people that we who follow Jesus Christ are to become. Let's pray. God, these things are uncomfortable. They're not very much fun to talk about. For me as well, it's very challenging. And so I just ask that you would do our work in our heart Holy Spirit, you know our finances. You know where we spend our money. You watch every transaction that we make. Would you help us trust you? We just want to acknowledge to you now in our own heart, if you're willing to do this, you can do this with me. But God, I, I just acknowledge that everything I have is given to me by you. And so it's all yours in the first place. Help me be a good steward. Help me to reflect your character, your love, and your generosity by being generous to the people around me. And then, God, for each one of us here, each one following us online, as we trust you in these things and we walk in obedience, I pray that you would surprise us by your goodness. Because I, God, I know you are good all the time. And all the time, you are good. So we bless you. We want to walk in dependence on you. We love you and we worship you.